touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the A-Slut Podcast that of course stands for Advice, Sex, Love, Understanding and Trust. We talk about all things sexual, relationship-wise, polyamorous alternative lifestyles, swinging, kink, all sorts of that fun stuff. And if you ever want to get in touch with the show you can do so by DMing into the Twitter, Facebook, uh... Instagram, all at the A Slot Podcast. You're always welcome to do that. You can always email the show at the A Slot Podcast at gmail.com. I always love hearing from you guys, so let's get into it. It's a flame with desire, which is why I perspire when we tango. You caught my nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love, every time I hear Hello, my lovely little sluts, and welcome once again to the Aeslot Podcast. Today, we're going to continue on with our dark and edgy and kinky kink stuff, for lack of a better term. Obviously, last week, we covered blood play, needles, breath play, and um, a little bit of knife play as well. The needles and the knife sort of went together, but they're also their own separate things. They don't have to draw blood all the time. Most of the time they do, but they don't always have to. Today, today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about one of my favourite things for what will probably be an extended period of time, but I will try and keep it short. I am, of course, talking about electroplay the use of tens, violet wands, all of that lovely stuff. But we will also be talking about some rape play. And I said in the last in the last episode that I don't like using that term. The term that I use is consensual non-consent. Okay, rape has too many no- negative connotations to it for me to, use, to enjoy using that term. So I do use the term consensual non-consent. And if you think about it, that's what it is. You're consenting to not consenting. And we'll go into detail a little bit about that. The other thing that we're going to be talking a little bit about today, and I'll probably have a guest in some time to talk about this a little bit further because they know a little bit more than me, um, which is always always good to have people who know more than me. That way I can learn as well. Um, but we're going to be talking a little bit about fireplay and some of the dangers with fireplay and some of the ways that you can use fire uh, whilst you're playing. So we're going to be going through those few things. I do want to remind you guys of the hashtag let's get a slutty tour that's happening in August and September. I will be making my way over to the United States of America all the way across the Pacific Ocean. Um, via Fiji actually which would be lovely 
and I'm going to be touring around the southwest uh, and the northwest of the United States. So if you live in any of the following cities, do get hold of me. Los Angeles, San Diego, Tucson, Tombstone, El Paso, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, Oklahoma, Albuquerque, which we're pretty sure I'm going to be doing some stuff in anyway in Albuquerque, which would be great. There's a, a certain person in there that I'm really, really looking forward to meeting. Salt Lake City, Seattle, Spokane, Washington, Portland, San Francisco, and Las Vegas. After that, I do go back to LA, but I said it at the start, so it's all okay. If you're in any of those towns, let me know. Let's catch up. Let's talk. Maybe you want to do an episode. Who knows? I just want to get a hold of as many people as I can and, and meet you guys. It's going to be awesome fun. But that, that, that is from, from, from August through to September. Sorry, I should have mentioned that, August through to September. But, um, yeah, there's not really a whole lot more to talk about, to be honest. Uh, I've been set working a whole bunch to try and save up to, to get there. Um, my play partner's just come back. I've been talking to a few new people who could be, could be interested in playing as well. So, uh, we'll see how we get on with that. Uh, nobody really knows what's going to happen there until it happens, though, do they? So... Let's just keep that to the wayside for the moment. But a little bit excited. I'll be honest, a little bit excited. I love watching I love watching how people grow and people, you know, mature through their kink version their kink journey and and how they improve as people and and all that sort of thing. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, actually, one more thing, guys. If there's any good swingers clubs or sex clubs or anything like that, kink clubs that are in any of the cities that I mentioned before, um, please, please let me know because I reckon that'll be a whole lot of fun as well. And I don't mean just in Vegas because those ones are going to be Vegas ones. And obviously, I'm going to go to a couple of those because that's who I am. But uh, there's going to be a lot there that I don't know about. So please do let me know. Um, no updates as of yet on what's happening with Australia, with Sydney in May, uh, but I will follow that up, I guess, for you guys, and I will let you know exactly what goes on with it, if anything happens with it. Um, but, I, again, I won't say anything yet. So... Without further ado, without any more fucking around, without any more waiting, let's get into part two of Edge Play. Please enjoy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, in the ode of that wonderful song by The Prodigy, 
I guess we should probably start with Fireplay, shouldn't we? I'm going to go through some of the ways you can use Fireplay. Um, I'm going to go through some of the safety features around it after that as well, um, purely because I need you guys, if you're going to do this, to be safe around it, okay? Um, it is something that can be incredibly dangerous, it can burn your skin, it can cause permanent scarring. I don't want to sit here and go, hey guys, do all of this awesome stuff without you knowing um, some of the things that can go wrong with it and how perhaps to to negate those things. So that's definitely going to be a part of this as well. Um, obviously, my my voice is a little different to usual. Um, I've got a wee bit of a wee bit of a throat issue, so you'll just have to bear with me a little bit, please, guys. Um, all I can do is apologise. Uh, but I, I do want to get content out for you every every fortnight. Uh, I used to want to do it weekly, now it's fortnightly. I don't want to make it any worse than that. So um, so yeah, let let's sort of let's get into this. There's definitely some things that you need to know about Fireplay. Um, the, the the first thing that I would say is check the references of the person that's topping the play or or dominant or the or whatever the first time you've been with them, even if it is somebody that you've been with for a long time, um, but you haven't seen them do any fire play. I'd definitely de get that checked out um, as much as you can because fire is obviously dangerous. Um, but I mean that that's as obvious as they, as they come, and a lot of the time if you're on the submissive side, you put all your trust into that top or dumb, and sometimes not challenge what they're doing. And that can be quite dangerous for for yourself on the on the bottoming side of it, uh, because you're just putting all your trust in them and that they know what you're doing. So sometimes they don't, guys. Sometimes they don't. And it's it's known that by not asking about every single detail of the fire play that you're about to do, so negotiating exactly what's going to happen, you're sort of asked to be damaged. Um, and there's scars on many many people, even people that I know. They can prove this point. Someone brings out a propane torch. Yeah, end the scene straight away. That's that's just just silly, I think. And I'd I'd be interested to see if anybody would actually negotiate that as as part of the play. Um, so one of the questions that I get quite often when I when I talk about fire play and people who haven't done it yet is how do I handle the plane the the pain sorry. No, it's it's no different to any other pain, I guess. It's a different sensation to the pain, but everybody deals with it in their own separate ways. That's that's a given, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, it's not any any simple way of doing it or anything like that. It's just everyone has different techniques. Um, personally, I what I find most effective is to focus on the breathing. Um, you've got all of this hot everything around you, and you've got to make sure that you keep your breathing uh, as, as as nicely as possible, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, as, as part of that, I literally, the same, same as if you do yoga, um, I've sort of just started yoga thanks to um, a wonderful person, I'm trying to get into it a wee bit more, but most of that is about focusing on your breathing, your big in-breaths, and your out breaths, and it's no different with fire bike for me personally. Anyway, same could be said for just regular 
I say regular, but impact play or anything that causes pain is you can focus on your breathing. Find a focal point and then just breathe slowly. If part of the safety precaution is to have your head against a support or safety person, then close your eyes and still breathe slowly. Focus on it and make sure that you're doing it nice, big, deep breaths. I'll also say don't attempt fire play on yourself, especially not alone, and especially if you're not already experienced. If you do, you're doing so at your own risk. Okay, and I will not be responsible for any damages that may occur. Please don't do this alone. At least have somebody spotting. You can do it on yourself. Just have somebody there with you spotting just in case anything goes wrong. Because it can do quite easily. Fire can be quite aggressive and irrational, I guess. Uh, people do use various types of equipment. There's Nomex hoods that are used by firefighters, fire blankets, all the way down to wet washcloths. As a submissive or bottom, don't be afraid to ask about protective gear. Your safety should always be paramount. Make sure your hair's not anywhere near uh, when doing any kind of flogging or whipping. And if you know you'll be participating in such a scene, don't use hairspray, perfumes, or colognes. And if you're wearing any lotion, some of that's flammable as well. Don't do it with baby oil or anything like that. Now, that seems like common sense, guys, but there's a lot of people who wouldn't think about those sorts of things so I feel as though sometimes I just have to have to include it in here just to cover my arms so you guys um, can do all of this fun stuff uh, safely and I know it's not the sexy side of it I know it's not you know overly entertaining when I go through all of that stuff but it is very informative I think and is something that needs to be needs to be talked about. So, let's get into some of the types of fire play that you can do. You've got fire flogging, which is kind of, I guess, self-explanatory. So it's the most common form. It includes a flogger made out of Kevlar ropes and wicks. Some have knots at the end, not only for the stinging factor, but it also prevents the ropes from coming unraveled. I've experienced many this a few times on back and front, and it's got a little more sting than the usual flogger, made out of leather, mostly due to the knots. But the heat is really, really quite amazing, as it's not constant, but flashes. So each time you get hit, you just feel that little hot burst. Um, if if it is your first time doing this, though, please just do it on your back. It's it's something that's incredibly different for 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 many different people, and it's it can be quite difficult to sort of get used to I think um, a lot more than people realize you've got fire massage which is probably this is probably where I'd say that the beginner should really start is fire massage where you're just putting some kerosene or whichever flammable liquid you're using and you're following it with a glove to to um, extinguish any flames that could be happening so you could almost like there's there's a little item which, for lack of a better term, is almost like a marshmallow roaster and it's got a little Kevlar knot at the end so you run that along a body and then you follow it up with the glove, with the fireproof glove to make sure that none of it uh, stays on there and that everything's safe and it all comes off and that's arguably one of the most comfortable things I've ever done in my life um, is to have a fire massage done on me. I was just lying there and then the fire comes across and it's really quite lovely. It's a really nice sensation really comfort comfortable I think really relaxing but that's just me everyone's gonna have different shit that they like that was probably one of my favorites 
and it's it's a little bit more than fire flogging on the sensation side because it's not just little snaps it's a sort of one or two seconds where the flames just coming up and it gets into muscle into the muscles and stuff like that which makes it really really nice fire fleshing is the next thing that I'm going to talk about this is where designs are made on your body with the fuel and then set on fire and quickly blown, wiped or smothered out. So if you think you can draw, like a big a big spiral is probably a, a good example. If you do a spiral on someone's back, you light one part and it'll move around and it'll finally get everything and then you'll put it out. You want to put it out relatively quickly obviously because you don't want it to sink into the skin and set fire to the skin itself. You just want it to be burning the the flammable that you've put on the body. Okay, some drumsticks wrapped in Kevlar are used, some create pens with a Kevlar wick. Um, there's been so many tools that have been made and used for this. Most people generally use Kevlar. Um, you don't have to, just anything that's um, fire retardant um, is something that I'd definitely do. This this as well. This sort of goes in with the with the fire massage as well because you're wiping it quite quickly after you've put it through. Um, except here, you're putting the, the the accelerant on the skin directly and then lighting it from that point. Um, a big note of caution with this as well is that fire does suck out the moisture in your skin, and this will be. This will include your, your sensitive lips, testicles, and whatever else you may want to use it on. Um, definitely, definitely keep moisturizer on. If you're going to use this on your genitals, especially having shriveled up genitalia is probably not the most attractive of things, um, and can actually be quite strange to look at. Uh, that's really quite extreme if you're doing fire stuff on on your genitalia. But each to their own. It's not. Something that I've tried yet, I'd like to. I think it'd be really, really interesting to try that. The next one is fire whipping. Very, very similar to fire flogging, of course, but it is a single tail whip that's on fire. Some are made with leather and Kevlar popper at the end, and some also make them completely out of Kevlar blend and then use an aluminium handle and a Kevlar popper. You definitely, definitely do need to have a high tolerance for pain on this one. Um, I would not, not, hugely not um, recommend doing this if you're just starting out. E even if you um, have taken regular whippings, this is still a very, very different uh, sort of feeling because you get that heat that goes straight into the marks that are left by the whip. Especially if it can, if it does cut the skin and you've got fire directly on that straight away, it can be extremely full on, really, really full on, and can be really quite tricky to have to deal with after that point as well. So, yeah, I mean, it does sort of, I guess, sanitize it straight away with the heat, but it's still not ideal. It's still going to hurt like a bastard. Um, so definitely don't try this if you're first trying out. It is a lot of fun though. I've done a little bit on it of it on the topping side, um, but I'm not a big whip guy. I'm not a big flogger guy. I like to have full control of what's in my hand. Um, and again, Kevlar is probably one of the best things to use for this. 
The next one is another quite common one as well, um, and it's been used throughout the ages uh, for a long, long time. It's been most commonly seen in the Oriental, but it has been known to pop up all over the world, and that's fire cupping. Some use this as a way of bloodletting, while others use it for a manner of reverse acupressure. So basically what you can do is, is soak a, a cotton ball in whatever your accelerant is, whether it be pure alcohol, whether it be kerosene, whatever, you, whatever you're using. The cotton is claimed by a pair of forceps or you know something that's going to be at least somewhat fire retardant in and of itself, and you light it via a lighter or a match or whatever. And in one motion you place it into the cup and quickly remove it while the cup is placed on the skin. The reason for this is the fire heats the inside of the cup and it creates a small amount of suction uh, because of the air cooling down again and contracting. Massage oil may be applied to create a better seal as well as allow the cups to glide over muscle groups. So this was originally done um, for like muscle relax, relaxation and that sort of that sort of thing there and as a therapy uh for for all of this sort of stuff. Um us kingsters tend to leave the, the cotton ball or whatever you're using that is that is a flame uh a little bit longer to create that more of a pain. And it does tend to leave a whole bunch of circular marks around the place which a lot of people find really, really pretty. And that's just because the blood's had to rush to the surface in that spot. Uh, because the skin has been tightened up by the heat that's coming through the through the cup. It's actually been known that a lot of, um, especially recently, there's been a fair few people that have been that have been using it. Uh, it's gained publicity by, due to its use by American sports celebrities like Demarcus Ware, Olympians Alexander Nador, Natalie Coughlin, and Michael Phelps as well. But there's been a whole bunch of whole whole bunch of stuff, basically just proving that there's any real health benefits of them, and there's a fair few risks of harm, especially when it comes to uh, comes to fire cupping due to the fact that there is obviously fire involved. Um, I'm going to go through the risks now that are involved with with fire play. Um, it can be mixed with other temperature plays, so you can put ice and fire together, and that creates a whole different thing. Um, but I'm going to go through some of the risks, just so that you're aware. And if you're negotiating, you can go through your rack, your risk-aware, consensual kink. Um, so fire can scar a person horribly, as well as cripple and kill a person in painfully brutal ways. When you play with fire, you will get burned, eventually. Always receive hands-on training. You do not get do-overs when you're playing with fire. Practice fire play on non-flammable surfaces, such as concrete, and with supervision before attempting to practice on another human. When performing with fire, avoid synthetic and poly-blend fibre clothing. As it will not burn, it'll melt to the skin, which is much, much worse. Consider performing instead with natural fibre clothing or without clothing. Overcome your fear of fire. It is strongly suggested that one practice fire flushing on themselves, such as lighting one's own hand on fire and putting it out. It will help them learn how fire behaves before moving on to more advanced tools and techniques. Fire takes three things. 
fuel, oxygen, and an ignition source, or spark, or whatever you want to call it. Eliminate one of these things and your fire will stop. Have safety items that will take these away, and in most cases concerning humans, it's not a fire extinguisher due to all the nasty chemicals and whatnot. So you're looking for like a flame retardant blanket, um, even a, a fire suit to chuck on somebody, um, water can do it, but not if you're using accelerants like fuel and whatnot. The the easiest way to do it is to go via a, a flame retardant blanket or clothing. Lots of things can be fuel, human flesh and hair included. Make sure you aren't adding fuels without realizing it. Perfume, hairspray, fingernail polish, anything, literally anything flammable. Always have somebody watching you. They're called a spotter. Uh, they're there to watch for safety as well as stray drips from fuel and burns. Ready to put out any mistake in an instant by smothering it with a wet towel or a duvetine blanket, your flame retardant blanket. Lighting can also make a drastic impact on your performance. Areas that are too dark do not provide enough vision to tell you what you're doing. Areas that are too light will dim the flame and you won't be able to control the flame as well if you can't see it. Seek areas that are lit well enough to see what's going on with your torch lit, but not much higher. Be careful of the wind. The wind direction can shift suddenly and you can get gusts of wind. Be aware of the wind direction for your fire play and how it can directly impact your safety and the safety of others. So if you've got people standing downwind from you, tell them to move. Excuse me. Tell them to move. Otherwise, they might just get a firewall flying at them. Large burn-off tools and toys should take place outside, 25 feet away from any flammable structures. To include an audience, check the legalities in your area. As certain regions may have differing laws. Place your fuel source far away from your working area and any open flames. Don't allow smoking near the fuel source. A lot of this is common sense, guys, but it's just one of those things that I, I feel like I need to tell you guys just to make sure that you do it safely. Different fuels burn at different rates. Be sure to thoroughly know the fuel types you're dealing with. Always inspect your gear while you're playing because many fire tools have sudden rates of failure and will fail. <laughs> I love this word, catastrophically. So they'll just fall apart and then it can get quite dangerous. Fuel will pull when it's applied to body in cracks and crevices such as under breasts, in the glutes, near genitals, navels, etc. Be mindful of these areas as pulled fuel will present a serious danger and is also more difficult to put out in a crevice should it ignite. People burn. Some things can make burns worse. Scars of any type including tattoos, imperfections in the skin, etc. Some things can make burns less. Barriers including water, Reducing exposure, so smaller flames and less time exposure. Each burn applied to the skin will dry it and damage it increasingly over time. Limit how long you play with fire on each body, allowing a few days before playing again. To include your own. Utilize aloe vera lotion to keep skin soft and healing, pending any allergies. And hydrate thoroughly. So drink. Not alcohol, you sneaky bastards. I know what you're thinking out there. It's probably not going to help you too much.
After care is just as important in fire play as other types of play. Have burn cream, aloe, warm blanket, etc. on hand. Because you're going to heat up and not long after that you're probably going to cool right down to a shivering mess. Um, that's part of, you know, the, the submissive side of it, um, especially. You're going to be heated up, heated up, heated up, and when that heat goes away, your body's going to want to counter it. So it makes itself really, really cold to try and bring you back down. And you can end up shivering and genuinely becoming absolutely freezing um, in that situation just purely because of that. So, yeah, that, that's my talk on fireplay. Like I said, I'm not... I'm not hugely knowledgeable on um, on fireplace. Not something that I've done uh, a whole whole heap of, but uh, I've done a decent amount to be known. But that's all I've really got about that. So I guess next we should move on to what well, probably probably what I'm most well known for. Um, probably one of my favorite things in general. Um, we're going to talk about electroplay or erotic electrostimulation. Um, I, I always laugh when I hear the term electrosex uh, because a lot, a lot of this, especially for me, they don't include sex. And it also reminds me of the band Electric Six, who sing a great song called Gaber. Um, if you haven't heard that, check it out. Um, but electric sex doesn't—that that term doesn't sit well with me. I like electro play. That's fine. Erotic electro simulation makes sense to me. That's fine. Um, it's also known as e-stim, or yeah. And this this article that I found calls it a sexual practice. It's not always a sexual practice, but it can be included. But it, it involves the application of electrical stimulation to the nerves of the body. There's, for some people, a particular emphasis on the genitals, and it uses a power source such as a TENS, EMS, Violet Wand, all that sort of stuff for purposes of simulation. Electrostimulation has been associated with BDSM activities, obviously. And erotic electrostimulation has been an evolution of, of that. There is a lot of safety that's needed. Um, because electrostimulation can cause tissue damage and death as well if it's misused. You don't tell someone to go stick a fork in a wall. The most common problems arising from electrostimulation tend to be burns, um, usually from the lack of sufficiently wide surface contact, or you know, like bad contact between the electrode and the skin surface, so it's not quite sitting properly. Even at a relatively low current and voltage, there's also a risk of interference with normal heart function, potentially including cardiac arrest. It's best not to play anybody who has any history of of heart attacks or strokes or anything to do with the heart. You can still do it, it's just a little bit riskier. The risk is much higher for those who use a pacemaker or similar device. And if, if you're playing with a TENS or something like that, there's in your body, there's basically what you would call a center line. Uh, my TENS has two separate channels. Each of those channels has two electrodes. You would not put on one of those challenge, you would not put one on one side of the body, so on the left side and one on the right. You would not go even through your left leg and then to your right leg because the, the current travels 
from one of those electrodes to the other. And it would be going through the middle of your body, especially if you're putting it in your chest area. So it's going straight across your vital organs. And yeah, that's just a little bit silly and a little bit too risky. The International Standard on the Basic Safety of Medical and Nerve and Muscle Stimulators advises that stimulation should not be applied across or through the head, directly on the eyes, covering the mouth, on the front of the neck, especially through the uh, carotid sinus, or electrodes placed on the chest and upper back or crossing over the heart. So that's what I meant by not crossing the, the, the center line. You can put two on the same side of your chest if you wanted to. The, Upper back, I don't have a problem with personally, as long as you're not crossing that center line. Standard also notes that any electrodes that have current densities exceeding 2 milliamp per centimeter squared may require the special attention of the operator. It imposes the following limits on the output parameters of stimulations for therapeutic purposes. With a load resistance of 500 ohm, the output current shall not exceed. 80 milliamps at DC, at DC power, 50 milliamps below 400 hertz pulse frequency, 80 milliamps at 400 to 1500 hertz, 100 milliamps above 1500 hertz. For pulse durations less than 0.1 seconds, the pulse energy into a 500 ohm load shall not exceed 300 millijoules per pulse. For longer pulses above the DC, above, for longer pulses, the above DC limit applies. The output should not exceed a peak of vo peak voltage of 500 volts when measure un measured under open circuit condition. Now there has been a few cases of accidental death as a result of autoerotic electrostimulation, and the cases report involving mains-powered self-made devices with current passing through the chest intentionally, usually via nipple stimulation, or unintentionally touching an energized part with a hand. In one case reported to the press, a man from York, Pennsylvania was sentenced to 20 to 40 years for third-degree murder and reckless endangerment after killing his wife with an with electrostimulation to her nipples directly from a power strip plugged into the mains. That's silly. Use regulators. Now, the cool thing about electro is it goes back a hugely long time. So the use of electricity for entertainment first dates back to 1740s in the 1830s, insertable electrode attachments for small magnetos could be purchased. Later in the 1800s, various electrical belts, uh, some complete with suspensory sack, were advertised as cures for impotence. In the 1920s, the AMA, American Medical Association, investigated such devices and concluded that they provided more or less mechanical masturbation. Modern electro electrostimulation first became recognized during the 1950s with the in <laughs> the introduction of a device called the relaxer <laughs> which was originally designed to stimulate the muscles of a relaxing subject using electric currents as a means of passive exercise. Such power sources are still in medical use today and are known as EMS or electrical muscle stimulation units. Some people soon found alternative uses for the relaxer by placing contacts on sexual parts of the body. By the 1970s, medical TENS, or transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation units, were also being used for electrostimulation. In the 80s, the first devices manufactured specifically for erotic electrostimulation became available, in particular the titillator 
and the Pleasure Box, later known as the PES Power Box. In the 70s, experimenters noticed that bare speaker wires could deliver a jolt and began using recorded and live sound for electrostimulation. At that time, there were no professionally made attachments for such play, so people built their own out of copper plumbing parts and other metal pieces with attention to resistors placed in series with the human parts to control the current for safety. Although early eSIM units used only a simple pulsed sinusoidal wave, newer units were more complex waveforms and also allowed for the use of ambient sound or pre-recorded waveforms like music or specially designed computer files for specific, blah, 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 specific types of stimulation. There are now sites dedicated to the creation of MP3 files specifically for erotic journeys or symphonies. These can include such routines as rewards, punishments, very strong and pleasantly soft portions. Now I'm going to talk a little bit, probably a lot, about one of my favourite toys. I spent about, uh, I think it was about 800 British pounds on one of these. Um, it was at the time the best on the market. It still ranks right up there um, in terms of Eastim. Um And it's, it is a transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation machine or a TENS machine. So what it does, it's it's the use of electrical current produced by a device to stimulate the nerves for therapeutic purposes. Not that we use it for that anymore. But it, by definition, covers the complete range of transutaneously applied currents used for nerve excitation through... Of nerve excitation, sorry. The term is often used with a more restrictive intent, namely to describe the kind of pulses produced by portable stimulators used to treat pain. So, funnily enough, these are usually used um, to help treat pain. It's um, <laughs> really kind of interesting. The unit is usually connected to the skin using two or more electrodes. Like I said, mine has four, but it has two different channels to use them in. And it's usually able to modulate pulse width, frequency, and intensity. So the length, how often, and how strong. Generally, TENS is applied at a high frequency with an intensity below motor contraction, or sensory intensity, or low frequency with an intensity that produces motor contraction. While the use of TENS has proved effective in clinical studies, there is controversy over which conditions the device the device should be used to treat. It can be used for labour pains. Apparently it's been used for dentistry as well. In non-odontogenic orofacial pain relief. And this is probably the, the, the lower end or the lower intensity sort of stuff. Uh, TENS devices are available to the domestic market. Obviously I bought one or two. And are used as a non-invasive nerve stimulation, nerve stimulation intended to reduce, reduce both acute and chronic pain. One review from 2007 felt that the evidence supports a benefit in chronic muscular, musculoskeletal pain. Results from a task force in neck pain in 2008 found no clinically significant benefit to TENS for the treatment of neck pain when compared to a placebo treatment. There was also no evidence to support the use of TENS for chronic low back pain. There is tentative evidence it may be used for painful diabetic neuropathy. And as of 2015, the efficacy of TENS therapy for phantom limb pain is not known. There's no randomized con 
trial trials have been performed. So, some of the tests have shown objective evidence that TENS may uh, modulate or suppress pain signals in the brain. So it tells your brain that, nah, everything's okay here, it's fine, don't worry about us, we're, we're, we're all good. Um, which, is, which is really quite interesting. One used evoked cortical potentials to show that electrical stimulation of peripheral A, B to sensory fibers reliably suppressed A delta fiber, no cassette processing. And that helped out people with carpal tunnel syndrome. And it was sort of interesting around that. TENS was tried for the prevention of migraines. Um, and it was apparently shown that it was fine. TENS has been shown not to be effective in post-operative and labor pains, which is interesting because it is, it is quite often used to simulate the contractions you get in childbirth. Um, that's how I originally came across the tent, is I put my hand up at my local, uh, my local electro, electro workshop and went, hey, okay, let me try this, and I loved it, and it was great, and now I'm an absolute whore for anything electro. And I'm just gonna take a wee drink of water there, bear with me. As you can tell, I don't actually do a lot of editing in this. It's just me rambling into a microphone for approximately an hour. And with, with my throat hurting as it is, I'd rather not stop it and then continue on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch of history around electrical simulation. It starts. Benjamin Franklin was a big proponent of it um, through the 18th century for headaches and other pains. 19th century... There was pain control and cancer cures, all sorts of stuff like that. Now, over the now, there's a whole bunch of locations where tens electrodes should not be used over the eyes due to the risk of increasing intraocular pressure, transcerebrally, so not in the front of the head, on the front of the neck again, due to acute hypertension, through a vasovagal response, or even laryngospasm. So it'll affect your laryngitis through the chest using anterior and posterior electrode positions or other transthoracic applications understood as across a thoracic diameter. So not through the middle again. Don't put it inside you except for the specific applications of dental, vaginal and anal stimulation that employ specialized TENS units. So I say quite a lot that I have a TENS butt plug. Um, I have a, I'm going to be getting um, a basically a tens Hitachi wand um, and things like that so that should be okay well it is okay I have used them um, do not put it on broken skin areas or wounds although you can put it around wounds don't put it over a tumor or a malignancy um, purely just because it's based on in vitro experiments where electricity promotes cell growth and it can actually make that um, that tumor grow. And don't put it directly over the spinal column, basically. So it tends when it's used across an artificial like pacemaker or other sort of stimulator or anything like that uh, may cause interference and failure of that device as well. So be very, very careful. There's been serious accidents uh, that have been recorded when this hasn't been observed. 
and it's basically it's just best avoided with patients with pacemakers or um, cardio cardioverter defibrillators ICDs in them as well uh, just because there's just a little bit too much danger that can come onto this sort of thing as well uh, so yeah that, that that's all I'll say about tens it's, it's really really cool so it sends through electrical pulses between the electrodes that you place on the body and it can it's actually really really fun to put on your arms and things like that because uh, you can hit, you can make the person hit themselves in the face uh, my tens has about has nine different programs which you can increase the speed of and you can increase the intensity of or decrease depending on what you like um, I love using them in the thighs personally um, my my play partner can probably vouch for that um, but I'll go into some of the other things that you can use um, another thing that I love to use and I would never use this on an animal by the way I just want to say that um, is basically a radio controlled dog collar a, sh a shot collar basically um, the I think I told you guys a couple of episodes ago a play party I went to with with my play partner um, she had a shot collar around her neck and I would use the vibrate option on that shock collar to call her over if I needed to. If she took too long, then I would use the shock option on it. Um, a re another really fun way to do that is to get two of them, put them around the legs, around the thighs, and call them like that because they tend to just collapse. And it's really funny to do that while they're while they're trying to run, as long as it's on grass. I wouldn't do it on concrete because that shit can fucking hurt. Um, you can use things like cattle prods. Um, obviously, that's a quite a powerful sort of thing. Uh, a little toy that I've got as well is, I um, don't know if you guys know, the electric fly swatters. With the, basically it looks like a little mini tennis racket and you power it up and you swat flies and it electrocutes them. Um, I've got a modified one of those where instead of the tennis racket you've got two metal points and you can and I use that as a zapper. Um, mainly for behavior modification with my subs I guess. Uh, a little bit of a punishment sort of thing, it's just a quick and all, all done. So I'm going to go through... Actually there's one thing we haven't touched on yet which is a violet wand. I love violet wands as well. It's basically an electric conductor. Um, so they're used for the application of low current high voltage so 35 to 65 kilovolts high frequency electricity to the body and so basically with these you can, you'll put an attachment in it and you'll hold it just above a person's skin and you'll see almost a little lightning bolt going from um, from the violet one itself to the skin and it's used for mainly sensation play and things like that it usually consists of a handheld one made of plastic which encases a high voltage electrical transformer the base of the handle has a permanently attached electrical cord which plugs into the wall outlet it has an intensity control, level control, and sometimes an on-off switch, usually located where the electrical cord is attached. And some models operate on an electromagnetic disruptive discharge circuit, while others are powered by electronic circuitry, called solid-state ones. Typically, various electrodes are inserted into, uh, used with the violet one to provide the sensations. And this, this is what I mean by the attachment. Our electrodes are different shapes which cause different sort of sensations. Um, there's one that looks like a hair comb. Um, there's just a straight one. There's I've, I've got about ten different ones myself. 
And these, these electrodes are usually made of clear tempered glass, which is sealed and evacuated and backfilled with a noble gas, typically argon, sometimes neon, in a process similar to the manufacturing of neon signs. The high voltage current causes the plasma inside the electrode to excite, emitting a glowing color when the wand operates, and through which the spark emits. The appearance and process is identical to plasma globes. So if you, if you remember back to when you were a kid and you saw those big globes that had all the electrical things and you put your finger on it and all the electricity would move to that finger, it's the same sort of concept as that. Appearance and process is identical to plasma globes, though the net discharge is higher in order to create spark streams external to the glass, which causes a desired sensation to the skin. So that's that little bolt that I was talking about. One popular misconception is that violet wands produce ultraviolet light. Completely wrong. And sometimes violet wands are erroneously called ultraviolet wands. These do not produce easily measurable amounts of ultraviolet light, except at the point of full spectrum spark, eternal to the glass electrode. The sufficient time in one spot. Redness or mild burns can result from the arc's heat. The arcs do generate ozone and nitrogen oxides, giving the skin the well-known ozone smell similar to that of a lightning storm. Violet ones can possibly ignite flammable materials and melt artificial fabrics such as pantyhose with certain accessories and settings. They've been made for the adult industry since the 90s. Some concerns... So, the, the, the other cool thing with, with um, violet ones is you only feel a spark if, it's, if it actually has space to travel. So if you touch it on skin, it won't do anything. If you hold it just above skin, that's when you'll get that little spark igniting and traveling from the electrode to the skin. And the really cool thing about this is if you, I know I love doing this, I love doing this with my claws especially, but if you hold on to the electrode itself, the electricity, the electricity actually travels through your body and you can use your other hand and massage a person and they'll feel the sparks coming through your fingers through to them. And like I said, I like using my, cla using my claws on this. So they've also got the added sensation of the claws, of the sharpness of the claws um, running through them. You can also do it with Wartenberg wheels, any anything that's conductive to electricity um, can go through that as long as you're holding on to the other end. And you won't get shocked because you're the one, you're not, you know, you don't have that gap between yourself and the electrode. But it's it's a really, really cool feeling. If you're holding on to the electrode, and even just holding hands with somebody is a really, really cool, really, really amazing kind of sensation. So the violet wand creates a shock sensation when there is a gap between the electrode or the attachment and the body. As the wand is held near to the body, the spark will jump, providing the sensation. Full contact with an accessory creates a slightly warm sensation. But a violet wand provides a wide range of physical sensation properties with different settings and attachments. Some typical uses for a violet wand include temporary or permanent branding of the skin from body modification, electrically charged impact with paddles or other conductive implements. I haven't done this yet, but I'm going to. I've been looking into it. Electrified touch or massage or erotic stimulation of the genitalia. Violet wands can be used anywhere on the body, but should not be used around the eyes as they can cause severe damage. And many recommend strongly avoiding any sort of play above the jawline. Okay. Now, some jargon that people use is direct users employ a violet wand by using various accessories which emit sparks for different physical sensations and purposes. 
These accessories include electrodes made of glass or metal and other conductive accessories and attachments. Okay. So, shielded through using insulation gaps, one can shield themselves from the effects of a violent wand for various purposes. Some popular shielding techniques including shocking the bottom, but not the top, by creating a shield for the top when the contact is made, such as through striking or simulation. Stimulation. A common example is to use black nitrile gloves as a top, as the pigment of the black gloves offers minimal shielding while allowing some conductivity, so that the bottom may still experience electrical stimul stimulation from the touch of the gloved hand of the top. So violet wands are quite often considered one of the most versatile tools in BDSM. Uh, the reason for this is they have a really, really, really wide range of sensations they can offer and that their application to a scene with the use of an Edison bulb adapter and a body contact probe turns functionally just about every light bulb con and conductive metal object or even a metal threaded object such as a paracord whip with copper lacing or whatever one can acquire into a potential sensation tool. Popular common items to be used in conjunction with a wand include jazz drum brushes, banjo picks, letter openers, Wartenberg wheels and fucking ton more than that as well. Always be sure to test new items on low intensity and then bring it up there, though. I, like I said, I'd try and keep keep it short when it came to Electro. I, I have failed spectacularly. Uh, I am more than aware of the fact that I've spe uh, failed spectacularly on this. Um, but I have tried. I, I really, really have. So I, I will stop there on on um, electro play um, so yeah uh, ending that there um, I'll probably almost end the episode here as well guys um, just purely because we do have the consensual non-consent part to go and I've gone on a little long on both the fire play and on the electro play so I think and to be fair when it comes down to consensual non-consent I could probably do a whole episode on it um, just because there's so many different ways um, and so much science that goes into it as well. Uh, it can be quite dangerous and whatnot as well, of course. But there's so much involved with it that I think a a full episode would be the only way to give it justice. I think is probably the best way to put it. Is to give it enough to sort of think about while being able to continue on. So, yeah, on that note, so just a, a quick recap of what we've touched on. We've touched on blood play in the last episode. We've touched on knife and needle play as part of that. We've touched on breath play and asphyxiation, especially autoerotic asphyxiation. I use a lot of big words and I try to say them too fast and I fail spectacularly, ladies and gentlemen. I am more than aware of this. The worst thing about it is I type these scripts out myself and I can't even read my own shit. I do use quotes from other people, of course. Um, so today we've talked about a little bit about, well, not a little bit, probably more than we needed to, um, when it comes to fireplay. Um, I tried to keep it short on on electro, but I, I failed spectacularly um, at that as well. So I I apologise, guys. I I really really do. <laughs> um, 
but yeah thanks thanks for listening guys um, next week I think we're going to have an interview with a dear dear friend of mine um, but we're pretty sure that's what's going to happen um, but not 100% sure uh, I will say again just a reminder for the people in the cities that I'm going to be travelling to get a hold of me Flick me through an email at theaslotpodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on the socials. That'll be fun too. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all at theaslotpodcast. Those cities, again, in case you missed them, I will post it up. It's probably going to be the main picture um, for, the <laughs> for a while on the podcast. But it's LA, San Diego, Tucson, El Paso, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, Oklahoma, Albuquerque, Salt Lake City, Spokane, Washington, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, and Vegas. If you're in any of those cities, let me know. Let's chat. Let's hang out. Let's get some episodes sorted. (laughs) If you want to be on the show, if you think that you have something interesting that you could talk about, or some experiences that you might have, or to tell me that I'm completely wrong on everything that I say, Get a hold of me as well. Like I said, email through any of the socials. I'm online and awake far too often anyway, so your response is usually quite quick in saying that. There is one person I still need to reply to that that email through, and I will get on that. We will get on that. So, yep, yeah, so there's going to be one more episode uh, around Edge Plane that's going to be on consensual non consent. There's going to be an interview coming up probably on the next episode and like I promised in the last episode we're also going to be talking or finding out some more details around fidelity in polyamorous relationships Um, like a a listener emailed I spoke about it in the last episode an email uh, came through from a listener asking to find some data and find some research on that so I'm going to try and look into that a little bit and maybe eventually we'll get an episode on that if I can find enough uh, research and whatnot on there. But for now, thank you very much, my lovely little sluts. And hey, let's get a slutty. touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango. At your command, before you here I stand, my heart is in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's here that I must be. My heart entreats, just hear those savage beats and go put on your cleats and come and trample me. 
heart is hard as stone or mahogany. That's why I'm in such exquisite agony. My soul is on fire. It's a flame with desire, which is why I perspire when we tango. You caught my nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love. Every time I hear drums, and I envy the rose that you held in your teeth, love, with the thorns underneath, love, sticking into your gums. Your eyes cast a spell that bewitches the last time I needed 20 stitches to sew up the gash you made with your lash as we danced to the masochism tango. Bash in my brain and make me scream with pain, then kick me once again and say we'll never part. I know too well I'm underneath your spell, so darling, if you smell something burning, it's my heart. Take your cigarette from its holder and burn your initials in my shoulder. Fracture my spine and swear that you're mine as we dance to the massacre. 